0: We're at the precipice of a complete overhaul of the entire automotive industry. If we look at the federal level, there's already $7.5 billion in funding going strictly to EV infrastructure. New legislation is underway in the next one or two years to require multifamilies uh, over a certain size to have them, even for existing buildings. We're finding that some properties later down the line, they're in the fine print, they're signing off as, I won't get revenue ever. I, I f- waive my rights to ever participate in any Funding.
1: If I was a board member or a manager and know nothing about this whole uh, subject, what do I need to know to start thinking about this type of a project? Most people are not equipped to understand the seemingly endless facets of an HOA. That's why we're here, to help you become uncommonly prepared to serve your HOA. Whether you're a board member, a manager. Join us in the Uncommon Area. Welcome to the Uncommon Area. I'm Matthew Holbrook, and today's theme is all about electric vehicle charging stations. And to discuss that, I am joined today by uh, Ariel Fan, who is the CEO and founder of Green Wealth Energy, and also uh, Michelle Florence, the general manager of Azura Homeowners Association, um, a high-rise in Marina Del Rey that Action Property Management has had the privilege of managing for a long time now. And um, Michelle brings some real first-hand experience with uh, this subject. And so we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit. But um, Ariel, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about just what is it in a, in a sentence or two that you do and that your company does?
0: Yeah. Th- thanks, Matthew, for for having me on uh, the podcast. Uh, Green Wealth Energy, we're proud to be the first woman and minority-owned EV charging company in the state of California. And we do EV charging at scale, uh, specializing in multifamily space.
1: Okay. So um, when you say EV charging at scale, you're talking about, you do this as opposed to one-offs, you're doing it. in in large buildings or large communities, multiple stations at a time.
0: Exactly. So charging is is really much more complex than people believe. There are so much funding out there. There's regulatory compliance uh, based on the local region. For multifamilies, they need to understand how to work collaboratively with the HOAs, uh, the board members, the residents, as well as to understand and equip themselves with the tools to navigate uh, the construction and also technology landscape for charging.
1: Okay. Well, you said something there earlier in your answer about um, there's a lot of funding available. Um, who is that funding available to? So, like, are we talking? I'm sorry, are we talking like um, electric vehicle car owners, or for actual associations that put in charging stations, or how much funding and who is that for?
0: Great question. So. We're at the precipice of a complete overhaul of the entire automotive industry. If we look at the federal level, there's already $7.5 billion in funding going strictly to EV infrastructure. Uh, That's only federal. Uh, California specifically has an additional $2 billion of funding. And then on top of that, you have utility funding, local regional grants, and HOAs and and multifamily properties. They can take advantage of it uh, and be smart because there are many different strategies to maximize these different funding avenues. Use.
1: So would these funding this this funding be primarily in the form of, of rebates um, that an HOA, for example, they would install a certain number of stations and they could have certain get obtain certain rebates that would offset some of those costs or how does that generally work?
0: Exactly, and this funding uh, depends on the utility rebate program uh, for that for that particular particular area. Uh, the funding covers. Anything from charging hardwares networking electric infrastructure uh, engineering uh, so everything it takes to actually get the chargers into the ground
1: okay great and Michelle just to kind of get you into the game here um, you manage Azura and um, you came in in the middle of, of a project like this maybe just in a really short way we'll we'll unpack this more as we go on but what's kind of the summary of what your experience was in, in this situation
2: so the summary my experience was I came in as you said um, you know, they had already signed off on contracts, had already decided exactly how the infrastructure and everything was going to be installed, um, and it was underway when I started and I took over Azura. So um, I had to immediately jump in and start digging into exactly what was going on um, and making sure that everyone was, was following the exact plan, making sure that the infrastructure, all the electrical work, the engineering, um, everything was going according to what was approved by the board.
1: Okay. And that project is completed now?
2: It is completed, at least phase one. I always refer to phase one because I do believe at some point we're going to need to add on to it because the demand of EV charging stations.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate you being a part of this. I I think um, as we dive into what your particular experience was, there were probably some learnings that we could take away from that that uh, hopefully... um, other managers and board members, uh, might be able to benefit from. So we'll, we'll come back to that, but I guess for both of you, and we'll start, um, Ariel with you. Um, if I was a board member or a manager and know nothing about this whole, um, uh, you know, electrical, electric vehicle charging station projects, uh, subject, um, uh, but I know that, that it, obviously uh, electric vehicles are rising in demand and and there's a need for um, chargers to be in my association, let's say, that I manage or I'm a board member of. But I don't know anything more than that. What would you say? What, what's the starting point? What do I need to know to start thinking about this type of a project?
0: That's a that's a great question. So we often deal with uh, HOAs that are exploring charging at the very elementary stages. So, so Green Wealth Energy, we've now interacted with uh, a few... Dozen action properties throughout Southern California, and what we found uh, a, there's a few different pieces to a successful charging exploration. Uh, the first step is how how many chargers uh, does your property actually need? Are you are as a as a board or as a uh, management company? Are you assessing that need effectively? And we do that through facilitating a tenant survey, so asking the tenants how many of you drive EVs, but also how many of you plan to drive EVs, especially if there are chargers available where you live. Uh, Aside from that, uh, especially in California, there's a lot of uh, code requirements uh, that are that are in the pipeline at the state level to require multifamilies to do charging. So we're looking at new construction code as of as of this year, as of 2022, 10 percent of all parking stalls for uh, for for new construction must be EV charging capable. Yeah, that's that's new and new legislation is underway in the next one or two years to require multifamilies uh, over a certain size to have them even for existing buildings. And this varies by jurisdiction, too part of the role of a, a pro- proactive property is to know not just the, the needs for charging today, but how can you stay above the curb for this policy coming? And uh, it takes a lot of planning, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, what we're finding is that for a successful project, once you uh, effectively collect all the bids, understand the different charging manufacturer options, explore different financing and understand rebates, uh, from time you start, it might be up to a year when you actually have construction. For Cal, California state, where there is uh, currently legislation going through uh, the House and Senate to mandate that existing multifamily buildings all have charging stations. Uh, it hasn't been passed yet, but this is evidence of a transition period we're in. And uh, properties need to get prepared now because these are very complex and very can be very expensive uh, capital expense projects. And uh, in planning and being smart about it, you can leverage the incentives and creative financing uh, to make the impact less on the community.
1: Yeah. So, Michelle, in your experience, I know you kind of came into this in the middle, but if you were to start, let's say, at a new building, um, a a new building to you, but an existing building that didn't have electric vehicle charging um, and you were thinking about starting that type of a project, what what are the main things that you'd be thinking through and that need to be taken into consideration?
2: So Ariel mentioned earlier a resident survey. I think that's number one is putting together a survey and trying to determine not only what is the interest, how much interest because, you know, are, are we talking about needing to put in 10%, you know, um, EVCS in your parking spaces, or are you talking more like 25% because that, as you know, it drastically changes the whole scope of the project. So I think number one is, um, getting a feel for, um, your residents in the building and what they want and, and how much you, interest there is.
1: And then beyond that, what's the next step?
2: The next step is, um, I would probably start um, suggesting to the board possibly putting together a tech committee um, because there is a lot of technology that goes into this, and sometimes it can be really overwhelming to an HOA board who already is is handling so many other items, and they spend so many other volunteer hours, as you know, on so many other aspects of, of making sure that the building is running well, along with, you know, teaming up with us. But it's a big project. So, um, I mean, at Azura, we were fortunate that they did have a tech committee. Um, that was very helpful. So I would say... Suggesting to the board possibly forming that type of committee and trying to get homeowners in the association who maybe lean more tech savvy interested in the project to help. I think that's a huge, yeah. Great. huge step to take. Michelle, could I add on to the the tech committee? So, uh, tech
0: committee or EV committee? We've worked with a number of properties that have established these committees outside of the board, specifically for the the EV charging project. And what? Their role has been that we've we've seen is to work with different vendors to negotiate and understand what is the proposal that you have um, for a for a charging proposal. There's there's really a few parts. Uh, you have the the charger itself, uh, the hardware. You have the network. Uh, sometimes the it doesn't come hand in hand, but they're two different companies. You have the construction and the incentives. And uh, there's also a, another uh, important aspect of specifically charging in the multifamily space where you have a a layer of project management you need you need this layer in order to level all the bids and know what you're getting and uh, within the range they, they really help reduce the risk and understand the project fully um, there's different models here understanding among the charger space itself uh, you have? Uh, are you doing a revenue share model? Uh, a revenue share of the collected um, funds received from the drivers uh, is? Are you getting the chargers at a discount? But what is really the cost for you in the lifetime of the charging? What are you giving up if you take, let's say, for example, a very cheap or a free option? And what are the dangers of those? Just so you are protected? Uh, are you also future-proofing the stations? Are you working with a contractor that is credible? Uh, are you assessing the infrastructure? design that they laid out so it's safe and also helps you add on to chargers in the future.
1: So what you're really saying is you could have multiple different contractors or companies involved in this process. And there's this whole list of questions that the board has to work through and, and, um, and answer. And that's where um, a company like yours or somebody that does something like that helps to kind of from a, an, an overall integration perspective puts that all together and, and helps to coordinate all of that, and and knowing the questions to ask and the things to think through and and so forth.
0: Yes, I, uh, I that's that's what GreenWolf does is really the holistic approach to integration. But we're we're just one of the companies that that's out there. There's there's other installers. I think the important thing that HOAs need to know, uh, the layer of of project management. This isn't you can't look at it as this is a this is an installation. Let me just hire a contractor. But charging is so complex because of all the reasons we we laid out. You add in a, in a I, for action properties, you add in hundreds of people living in the buildings, all with different opinions. Uh, and so there is this project management and this glue and. Uh, uh, collaborative layer that this EV committee can, can help uh, resolve. The EV integration layer is just so important because without a committee or, or an agnostic integrator that can act on the HOA's behalf, uh, it can be really confusing. And so uh, this just, what HOA's need to know is, regardless of if you go with an installer or an integrator, someone will be pulled in because this takes years of effort and um, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, so the temptation for an association might be, hey, we can save some money by not having a project manager beyond the the contractors that we're hiring. The, the general manager and the tech committee could potentially function in that role. And it would seem to me that that's where, in the effort to save those dollars, that it opens the door for maybe things to not go super well. Um, so I know Michelle, you had some challenges that you walked into at Azura right out the gate. Um, can you maybe talk through what were some of those challenges and, and how did those come about?
2: I think the, some, there were several different challenges that we dealt with. I, I think with high-rises that have multi-level garages, the biggest challenge, at least for us, was internet connection. Um, and you don't realize, you know, until you start trying to feed and get that internet, internet connection in your garage, that you may have pockets that have a really difficult time connecting. So I, you know, if I could offer any advice to an HOA who's considering this, I'd say go bigger than what you think you're going to need when it comes to internet needs down there, because the last thing you want is for your your homeowners and your residents to try to connect to their charging station at midnight when they get home after a, a trip or getting home after a long day at work. And not be able to to connect and be able to properly charge. So if I could offer any advice, it'd be to go um, a bit larger than what you think you need when it comes to the internet infrastructure.
1: Um, And just to interrupt real quick, um, we're talking right now about a high-rise scenario. I want to be clear that um, these types of projects are undertaken by high-rises, mid-rises, um, garden style condominium associations, um, a whole variety of different types of, of communities. So we'll come back to some of those others here in just a minute. So in case anybody's watching or listening to this and, uh, saying, Hey, I don't live in a high rise, but we're still looking at this. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, and so the, the internet connection portion may not be quite as big of an issue in a lot of the, um, more low-rise or uh, garden-style condominium associations. Um, But obviously, where you have multi-layered parking garages, um, that can be a real issue. Um,
0: Matthew, may may I add to this? Uh, So there's chargers out there that uh, interact with with Wi-Fi capabilities and other that are, are through cellular data. And they come at different price points. Uh, and through a garage, the reason why internet and, and, and Wi-Fi can be spotty is because of the different columns, the the make of the garage. In these high-rises, you have concrete columns, and it inter- interferes with the connectivity. Uh, what happens is it influences uh, the chargers' performance. They can't have reliable connections, so you don't know, and oftentimes they don't, they don't work. Um, what we found is uh, one step that HOAs need to be proactive to take is to bring in a vendor that can assess the connectivity throughout the garage, because as you scale up, there are certain sp- spots that will be spotty uh, and, and some str- areas that will be stronger, and you need to also add and consider cellular boosters. There are also vendors out there, just for the sake of the sale, that will dissuade properties, uh, in order to lower their quote. And as we've seen with Azura, that only comes at the expense and time wasted for the property. So it's important to ask these questions up front.
1: So beyond the, um, the connectivity issues, whether it be cellular or Wi-Fi, what other types of challenges did you learn from?
2: Um, one of the things that we had to, uh, that the association had to decide before they actually started is where to install the charging stations. At Azura, we do not have common parking spaces. So like guest parking spaces or two or three parking spaces that we could say, okay, we're just going to put the chargers here and everyone can use them, you know, and you just pay as you use them. Instead, we actually installed them at actually at an individual person's parking space. Um, So, you know, depending on where someone's parking space is, you know, you're talking about electrical work that could possibly run 140 feet. Someone else is only 20 feet from the main infrastructure that we put in. So it, that was a little difficult because for some people we can install within a day, you know, a couple of hours, Other, you know, with other people, it might've taken a couple of days.
1: So in Azura's case, did the um, residents or homeowners bear any cost in the installation?
2: So they did, so they did. So the way that we did it is, um, We obviously reached out to see how many people were interested. And then once we had a feel for how many people, um, that's where we we got the number of installing 40 you know, initially. Um, So we purchased 40. And then what we did is we did a a sort of an early bird special, you know, if you signed up early, you know, before as we were actually installing the infrastructure, you know, before we actually started installing the individual EV charging stations in each person's individual parking space. Um, So we were able right up front to sell 35 of the initial 40 that we purchased. And then once we started installing, it was a a matter of 60 days, maybe before we had the additional five.
1: So was the cost of the same for everyone um did and you it, take like average costs because your, your, your exactly. actual cost for the installation was different depending on exactly. the factors you were just so saying. we just did a
2: flat rate okay. for the first 40 I see. after that it it's basically based on you know we have one vendor that we use because we want to make sure that the installs are done the way that we want them done you know properly and with the right conduit electrical work um you know there's a lot that goes into installing one of these um so um now they have to go to our preferred vendor and get a, a price quote you know, for the charging right. station, the electrical. So department. then they're going
1: to pay a different cost depending on what is it going to take exactly. to get the to get hmm. everything lined up to their particular yeah. space. Yeah, and
2: it could be significantly more depending sure. on where their parking space is. Right. And
0: if I if I may add on top of that, this is a very common model we've seen in the SoCal area specifically. Uh, the forty chargers. Uh, this is this is actually because uh, a number of utilities, specifically LA Department of Water and Power. Uh, that's the maximum rebates you can get. So uh, I would I would suggest for for multi properties to see where is the limit. How much funding can I get for this site? Uh, and then the another the other piece from this is I think. Azura's model is good in that they, they know that there is the base infrastructure and the base number of, of residents getting chargers, but where is the scalability on top of that? What happens when the main project is done? Yeah. Uh, and you have residents down the road asking, oh, can you put in one or two chargers? And are you going with a, a provider that can provide that holistic solution, not just for the,
2: for the now, but what about a few months or a year down the line? Exactly. We've been talking about that already about phase two, you know, um, right now our infrastructure will hold up to possibly a hundred, um, EV charging stations. Um, you know, we have 450 units, um, approximately a thousand parking spaces. At some point, we're going to hit that 100 mark. And I think it's going to be sooner than later. So we need to already start thinking about what's phase two and how do we build on to what we currently have.
1: So Ariel, Ariel, what are, um, some of the other maybe common mistakes that managers or board members might make, or just not think of in approaching this kind of a project.
0: I think th- the biggest mistake that that we find, uh, number one, is going for the low cost bid. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of providers out there, manufacturers that are trying to land grab, and they'll have irresistible offers like, oh, completely free charging stations. It just doesn't make. Any sense, but it's very attractive, especially for an HOA that's looking to to reduce costs. We're finding that some properties later down the line, they're in the fine print. They're signing off as I won't get revenue ever. I I waive my rights to ever participate in any funding. Um, they they're really pigeonholing themselves. And and what what properties need to know is if you have charging. Sp- chargers at your property. These can be asset revenue generating assets for your property. Uh, This is a very exciting, booming industry with tons of incentives. And you want to have the control over your revenue and also flexibility to move around your system as your property needs.
1: Yeah, The risk, as I understand it, is that an association could inadvertently lose out on opportunities for funding or incentives because of certain decisions they might make and not not realizing the impact that that has on on the overall big picture.
0: Yes, Uh, you can lose out on incentives, but you can also go down the path of a complex, multi-hundred-thousand infrastructure project only to have something poorly designed, and you would have wasted two or three years to get that done. Uh, And when you sign on to a free vendor or a super low-cost vendor, uh, you're basically giving them the keys to do whatever they want to do.
1: Yeah. So coming back to like your more um, non high rise environment, your, your garden style condos, um, is there anything specific that that type of community should have in mind that might be different? Or is it just overall a little bit easier? Or how does that compare to the, the scenarios we're talking about?
0: So garden style communities specifically, they have their unique uh, needs uh, as being a more sprawled environment uh, and many of them also have uh, outdoor parking garages or parking lots. It is more expensive to do charging outdoor. Uh, You also involve different civil infrastructure work such as trenching, uh, doing asphalt work, some some landscaping that let's say urban high rise uh, multifamily properties don't, don't need to do. So I would actually budget more, advise them to budget more. Um, some of the other considerations too, is because, uh, these, these garden style communities are larger. They may benefit from more public, public charging stations rather than dedicated stalls. That's what I was going
1: to ask. So they might set that up in a few, for example, like guest parking spots or something that maybe owners are allowed to go into use to charge, but then would have to go back to their, their permanent parking. Yep. Okay. Good. Well, anything else that is really pressing that either of you think, hey, if somebody is going to be doing one of these projects, they really need to know this? I got one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: My one piece of advice is for HOAs and, and property managers to get multiple bids and also have w- at least one of the teammates on your side be vendor neutral or agnostic. Uh, you really need somebody who is looking out for the HOA and the building's best interests, And that's not always the interest of the manufacturer. They want to sell you their hardware.
1: But- somebody who knows what they're doing that can advocate on behalf of the HOA. That's that's the, the key, not just um, a random... Um, committee member who really likes technology, but somebody who actually knows the ins and outs of this type of and work. And
0: who understands the complexities and difficulties for construction also.
1: Yeah. Just for from my seat, just listening to both of you talk and, and um, uh, thinking through this, it just seems that there are... Uh, There's such a multifaceted, um, approach to how this all comes together and a lot of different contractors, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of considerations and, um, and having somebody that can function in that project management role overall that can tie it all together, ask the right questions, help you to think through the right things that you might miss, um, could really save you on, uh, from one wasting money, um, going down a road that maybe doesn't really work for your community, um, wasting time going down a road that doesn't really work for your, for your community, or missing out on incentives and or funding in some way. And so having somebody that can help think through all of that and has an expertise. Um, I mean, that's my biggest takeaway out of all of this is, is that you really need to, to have somebody that can function in that role. Is that a fair thing to say?
2: I think that's yeah. very fair.
1: All right. Well, thank you both so much for, uh, for joining us. Uh, lots of really helpful information. And um, I hope that was helpful for our viewers and listeners. And um, we will continue to uh, address other questions that are relevant to homeowners associations.